Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. I tell you what, it just feels like a happy atmosphere in this place today. And uh, so glad to see you. Joan and I just uh, got back from a little vacation time last Sunday. It was uh, at least 30 degrees cooler where we were. <laughs> and, uh, which suits me just fine. <clears throat> it's good to be back. I want to read from the Word of God this morning from Psalm 121, beginning in verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither, neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth even forevermore. God's got a big job, doesn't he, when it comes to watching over our lives. He watches over us. He preserves us. The thing I was thinking of coming here to church today was this, and I, I, I guess I always think of this a little bit, because <clears throat> there's people that are looking at me right now that some of you have had great weeks. I mean, you're on top of it. Some of you have had weeks that's uh, not quite there. Some of you have had weeks in which you've, you've struggled with things, sometimes issues in your own life and issues on jobs and other things like that. I want us to take this time right now as we pray and just simply say, Lord, I commit these things to you. I commit them to you. I commit them to you and your, your answers for my life, your response, your will, and your faith that you would build into my heart. Can we do that today? I hope we can. I think we can. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for the family of God. I thank you for the people of God. And I thank you today that today, today, in this moment, in this right now, as we begin this church service, we simply take the week that we've had, whether we've had struggles or whether we've seen victory upon victory, whatever it is, whatever the situation that's been going on in our lives, we simply lift it up to you and say, here, Lord, would you attend to this? Would you supply the wisdom would you supply the answers? Would you supply the hope and the help that I need? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus today for those who, are, who, who simply need a touch of physical healing in their bodies and in their lives. Father, I pray for, especially this morning, for Don Ayers this morning. I pray for him in Methodist in Des Moines. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that there will be a surrounding presence of Mike, Laurie, and his dad. I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus for healing, for a new hope to come into his life. Father, I pray for those that are searching for answers. I pray for those that need to really focus on some things in their lives. I pray that you will clarify by the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit today. Father, we thank you. We thank you for every person here. We thank you for our worship team that 
who's going to just lift, uh, just, they're, they're going to supply uplifting music and encouragement this morning. Father, I ask you to bless our church in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. About two months ago, I had kind of a two-part message that I wanted to share with the church. First message I did share that I, was, that I entitled The Age of Rage. And I think that was back in April, maybe even late March. And the second part of that message was going to be called The Age of Fear. And I never got to it. And I'm getting to it today. And I, uh, I think this is timely. I believe, that, uh, I believe that there are a lot of things in our world, in our culture, that is creating anxiety, if not simply fear. We see the headlines. We can't escape the newscasts that we see on television. All of these things. And there are, there are fearful things that happen. There are frightening things that occur in this, uh, in this culture. And they're not, all of, not all of them are overseas in some place. Some of them are right here in our home. And so I want to speak on this whole aspect, dealing with fear. I have a passage, it's one verse, and it's very familiar to probably, no doubt, many of you. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4 simply says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I think one of the first opponents that any, <clears throat> that any of us has to square off is that of fear. All of us at one time or another will have to face certain fears in our lives. They're going to come at various times and they're going to come in, in various aspects and all of these things, but there are fears. I thought it was interesting. I always, and perhaps I even fueled this just a little bit myself, but at the college I would remind our graduating seniors about a month or so before their graduation, I would say, I need to remind you of one thing. That on Saturday morning, after I hand you your degree, somebody is going to expect something out of you. School is out. You are a graduate. Now do something. <laughs> I think that's a fair thing to say. I think it's especially fair to say in this kind of a culture that we live in, no, you're not going back home and live in mom and dad's basement. You're going to get a job, earn money, and do something with your life. Okay? Fear is something that can be very paralyzing to our souls. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to do that. There are a lot of people that would never think in, 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 a, in 100 years to stand at this place right there, hold a microphone, and sing. I mean, I, 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 I could, listen, I'm going to take your paycheck away from you this week. If you don't do that, they say, take it. We're okay with that. Just don't ask me, my, don't ask me to say anything. 
Hey, by the way, I want to give a little promo. Next uh, Sunday is Father's Day, and I'm lining up six fathers, six dads that are going to stand up here, and they're going to talk to you. And they're going to share some things. Uh, I've got three questions that all six of these dads are going to answer, or at least respond to in some way. I think you're going to find it great. And um, so anyway, back to my, back to my message. <clears throat> a number of years ago, when I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army, about six months after that, I went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, for some specialized training and things like that. And on one Saturday morning, uh, this was voluntary. And you could volunteer to go out, and we're going to teach you how to repel. And I thought, you know, I'm only 22 years old. I, I, man, that's cool. That's for me. I want it. I'm going to be one. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to do this. I've seen it on television. It doesn't look like it's that tough. I want to do it. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. How dumb. 22 years old. Anyway, got out there, and, and I saw the... Uh, the, uh, this is how they practice. And it's about a 25, 20, 25 foot tower that it's wood on one side, straight up and down. And then there's a platform on top. So you climb up the ladder, you get up there, the instructor's there. He said, this is how you put the harness on and all of this. And here's the D-ring, here's the rope, it goes through here. And, and you hold your hand back like this and this up here and you go over backwards. Boy, that's about as unnatural as you can get. Go over the edge backwards and allow the equipment to let you go down the wall. Well, I have seen people go down the wall sort of kind of raking their face down the wall. And that isn't exactly right. So anyway, I got to the, you know, it came my turn. You know, everybody's looking. And no, 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 I... And so the instructor says, here, let me help you. I'm going to hold on. I mean, your anchor, the rope's anchored up here. It's not going to go anywhere. He says, I'm going to help you. So you just go ahead. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to let you over. I'll, I'll just let you over. And he let go of the rope. <laughs> and boom, I'm repelling. <laughs> okay, I got to the bottom. I did it. Basically, I did it right, and he says, okay, our next thing, we're going up this, see this cliff right here by this little creek? It's about 200 feet up there. We're going to go down the cliff now. You're ready for that? I said, oh, man. <laughs> I thought 20 feet was, I was, that was plenty. We got up to the top, and, you know, we got the harnesses back on, the rope back on, and, and I'm doing that, what's, what you see on the screen. That isn't me, by the way. But that was sort of like the cliff that we were on, and over you go. And I'm, all I'm going to say is this, when I got to the bottom, I just, I just simply laid down. I think I hyperventilated for about a half hour. I just, honestly. <laughs> Fear. Fear. I didn't know if that aluminum D-ring was actually going to do what it's supposed to do. And I wasn't so sure about that rope. And what about that anchor up there? How many people went over the edge here, and I'm the guy that loosened up on them? Fear. Did you know there are about 2,000 classified, classified fears? We have heard of 
fear like, that's called arachnophobia. You know what that is? Fear of spiders. That's right. Uh, claustrophobia. You've heard of that. It's the fear of small places, tight small places. How about pelodophia? Uh, the fear of baldness. <laughs> Did you know that there's a fear of baldness? Yeah, you, some of you, if you're bald, and <laughs> I mean to tell you, you might be scaring some people off. <laughs> we're, we're, you can't be a greeter at our church. <laughs> we're, just, <laughs> we're not going to let you do that. Uh, let's see here. There is loveophobia. Now, when I first saw that, I thought, oh, it's a f people who are afraid of loving one another. Well, no, I was wrong. Loveophobia is the fear of objects on the left side. Isn't that strange? Well, now naturally, <laughs> naturally you have to have dextrophobia, which is the fear of things on the right side. My favorite, my personal favorite in all of this list of 2,000 fears is photophobia. And it has nothing to do with taking pictures. Photophobia is the fear of being afraid. Now doesn't that just spin you right around? Fear of being afraid. You know, according to scientists, we are born with two natural fears that are a part of our life. One of those fears is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So dads, when you have that little one and you're throwing it up in the air, you know, you may think that's cool, but that kid, I don't know about that kid. You know, that's one of the inbuilt fears that, that, uh, that God sticks into us before we're born. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University reported that about 35 years ago, the greatest fear of school-aged children from kindergarten through sixth grade was animals, being in a dark room, high places, strangers, and loud noises. That was the fears, the list of fears. Listen to how this list changed in 2017. The fear of divorce, the fear of nuclear war, the fear of cancer, the fear of pollution, and the fear of being mugged. If that doesn't say something about our culture, I don't know what does. Those fears changed in a matter of 30, 35 years. Five-year-old Johnny was helping mom in the kitchen, helping mother get uh, some things ready for supper. And his mother uh, said, I want you to go to the pantry and get me a can of soup. He says, well, I don't want to go, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to go alone because it's dark in there. And Mom says, well, look, it's okay because Jesus will be in there with you. Well, so Johnny walked to the door, kind of hesitant. He opened the door, cracked, looked at it. It was really dark. And Johnny said this. He said, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me a can of soup? <laughs> Fear. 
Fear is that which looks both ways and still doesn't cross the street. Fear believes that the early worm gets caught by the bird and then feels sorry for the worm because it was punctual. You'll get that in about three minutes, I'm pretty sure of it. Fear usually arrives late, goes home early, if it goes at all. Fear is that phantom hand on the back of your neck on a dark, windy, stormy night. Fear. Joan came running downstairs last night. I'm sitting down there studying my notes, listening to some soft music. She comes roaring downstairs. What was that? You know, I didn't, what was what? And something with our, our dehumidifier went clunk or something, I guess, I don't know. And she went over and went like that and cured it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what you thought was happening downstairs, but uh, anyway, we, uh, we handled that pretty well, I think. You know, we, think, we tend to think of Paul as very fearless and, and courageous, and I think Paul was. I, I'm not doubting that one bit. I mean, Paul, Paul, Paul would go anywhere, do anything. But listen to this. It's kind of curious. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and in the early verses, Paul said this. He says, I was with you in my weakness and in my fear and trembling and my speech was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power i want us to understand what paul was saying there paul wasn't saying i can't there's no way i'm going to talk to these corinthians that isn't what he's saying he's i think what paul is saying he said look this is so important and i don't want to mess it up I need God's help in this thing. If I don't get God's help in this deal, this whole thing is going to go down the drain. I think that's what Paul was saying there. It's a fear. Acts chapter 18 gives us another interesting illustration. And this time God spoke to Paul and said, Do not be afraid. I am with you. And I think we could take that out of uh, Acts chapter 18 and verse 9 and apply it to our lives just about any day of the week, any moment of the day, I am with you. He is. That's true. The same researchers at Johns Hopkins made this final statement in their study, and this is the way it reads. We don't know why it is, but worriers die sooner than non-worriers. Wow. So if you have a tendency to be worrying all the time, look out, you're shortening up your life. You may have already whittled off a few weeks. So don't worry. If we're born with only two fears, I believe that also means that the rest of our fears are somehow learned or they are caught, and that means fears can be unlearned if we're willing to fight through the process. My fear of repelling could be unlearned as I did this several times and became confident that the equipment was not going to fail and that I understood what I was doing. 
I would have overcome my fear. But it takes something to go through that, and, and you have to have confidence as you go through that. So what is it that you fear? What are the things that keep you from, from taking the risk to advance or to try something? What is it in your life, perhaps, that's holding you back from doing something that you believe God wants you to do, but you're not sure? You're not sure of this, or am I qualified for this? Am I capable of this? You know, those deadly words, and I think they especially apply not only to our lives, but to the life of the church those deadly words are, we have never done it this way before. In my estimation, those are words of fear. They have nothing to do with faith. We have never done it this way before. And so we will stop. Think about this for a moment. God did not give us a spirit of fear, and that simply means that when we're afraid of something, it did not come from God. God didn't lay that on my on my life. It came from within me or, or whatever outside influence that, that became a factor in my life. I think God knew something about fear and I think he knew something about our problem that could be with fear and therefore he put 365 passages in the Bible, one for every day, that simply says, do not fear. Somebody counted them. Fear does not have to be victorious. Fear, if fear can be learned, then it can also be unlearned. I must also say that there is one fear that will always work good for you in your life, and that is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will serve you well. The fear of the Lord speaks of your respect and your adoration. The fear of the Lord speaks of your, your desire to walk with him. The fear of the Lord speaks of my willingness to do what God is asking me in my life. Fear is something that can lead you to make wrong choices. The Bible says Abraham lied about his wife Sarah because they feared for their life. The Bible says David killed a man or had a man killed because he was afraid that his sin of adultery would be discovered. Peter fell into the grip of fear and took a sword and cut the servant's ear off. And Jesus reprimanded him and said, that's no way to live. That's not what we're about. There are plenty of examples from life. There are people that have a fear of being single. There are also people that have fear of being married. There are those who fear it being laughed at and so because I don't want to be laughed at, therefore I'm not going to share anything about my faith, not publicly anyway. Some have a fear of failure, and so we don't even try. Fear establishes a limit in your life. Fear establishes boundaries in your life. They establish these fences and these walls that hem you in. <clears throat> And if you're not careful about those, those fences continue to grow closer and closer to your actual life until you're not doing anything. You're just, you've just stopped. You're, you're immobile because of fear. Here's a question for every person in the room. How do my fears limit me? And what would I do for God if I did not fear? Whatever that might be. 
And do you remember when fear invaded the lives of the people of Israel <clears throat> and limited them from claiming their land flowing with milk and honey? And therefore they spent, that entire generation not only died, but they spent 40 years in the wilderness, wandering about, doing nothing but dying. Yes, God provided for them. Instead of, instead of the land flowing with milk and honey, they settled for manna. You realize that. They had manna cakes, fried manna, mashed manna, manna casseroles, manna fondue and manna, everything, because they were limited by fear. Fear had canceled out what God had for them, and they lived on something far less than what God intended for them. But we have people today that live in a spiritual desert because we've allowed fear to say what we can do or cannot do. In one other connection with the people of Israel in the desert, remember this report of the spies. I, I, want you to, I want you to listen to these words. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Listen to those words. We, we were like grasshoppers. Our whole entire perspective changed. Why? Because we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And then it finally goes on and says, and because of that, they, they saw us as grasshoppers too. Not the people of God, not the people whose angel army was around them and surround them and going before them and everything else that you can imagine God was ready to do for them. But we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And our fear took over. And we wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How do we combat fear? I think there's a lot of people who would likely say, well, we need to just have courage and, and kind of strengthen up here and, and not knuckle under those feelings or anything. Well, that might be a part of it. But let me ask you this. I think the Bible gives us a great answer. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Listen to that. Perfect love casts it out, throws it out, tosses it in the street. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect. I want the love of God to capture my heart and my mind, my feelings, my emotions, and this goes far beyond just a warm, fuzzy feeling at church on Sunday morning. It goes to the fact that he is present with me. I love that song that we sang. It's in my head right now. The God of angel armies is surrounding me. Surrounding me. That's perfect love. That's the acknowledgement that God favors my life. He favors me. When we're covered by the love of God, he says angels will have charge over you. That's what he says in Psalm 91. He goes on and says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Romans chapter 8, 31. 
Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. His love is steadfast. His love is strong. That's what we will do. Did you notice that we become proactive in this whole thing? This isn't some just, uh, well, I, you know, I'm just going to pull up a chair and sit down and hope that the love of God just kind of kind of sprinkles over me and everything like that. It's not that at all. It, it becomes proactive. We, we pursue the love of God. We pursue the presence of God. I want the presence of God. I don't walk in here on Sunday morning and say, gee whiz, I hope God shows up. Man, I've been praying about that all week long and really intensifies on Saturday and Sunday. God, if you don't show up, we're in serious trouble. This is going to be a disastrous service. We pursue his presence. We pursue his love. We pursue his courage. We pursue his protection in our lives. And then God starts to work. If fear has kept you from taking you into your promised land, if fear has warped perhaps your sense of perspective and limited you, if fear has immobilized you in some way or stolen your motivation to serve God, I think fear steals our motivation even. I'm not motivated to serve God. I don't care if I serve God. Fear. You need to know that your fears will begin to vanish the moment you realize the God of this universe, the strongest, mightiest force ever understood or believed by humanity itself is the one that is for you. His greatness, his love, he has your back. And he has your front too and your side. You're surrounded. Psalm chapter 91, verses 1 and 2. He who dwells, listen to me, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I rest. There's a great chapter in the book of Hebrews, I think it's chapter 4, it talks about the rest of the people of God. Now, that isn't talking about getting into the, uh, you know, into the, uh, uh, lazy boy recliner and kicking back. That's not the kind of rest we're talking about. This, this, this rest is having a confidence in God. I'm confident in God. I'm confident in what he's going to do. I'm confident in what he's already doing in my life. A great confidence that grows in our heart and in our life. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I want to leave you with four things this morning. Number one. Number one is control what you can and leave the rest to God. Control what you can. Leave the rest to God. Matthew chapter 6, 
verses 25 through 34. There's, there's, a, there's a whole section here that helps us. Do not worry about your life, what you should eat or what you should drink. Look at the birds, consider the lilies of the field. If God takes care of them, won't he take care of you? But seek first the kingdom of God. It's always something, isn't it? God just doesn't say, here, have a freebie, have a freebie. Here's something free. Here's something, uh, here's, a, here's a nice thing for you. Chew on this for a little bit. You'll love it. He says, look, I'm willing to do all of this. I, all I want you to do is seek me first. Put me first. Make me number one. Make me your champion in your life. And as you do, I will take care of all of these needs, every area of your life. Number two, realize God is in control. This is tough. This is tough for type A people. This is really tough. Type A people want to run the show. God is in control and God is able to bring, also he's able to bring good out of bad. Did you know that? Good out of bad, I can prove it. Well, actually I have something else in my notes here. I jumped ahead of myself. I'll prove it anyway. God says, God tells us that in all things, God is working for our good. Amen? Do you believe that? He's working for our good. Oh, you mean when I bust up my car and I had that flat tire up there north of Pocahontas on that hot day and I was in a suit and I'm trying to change this tire and I couldn't get the lug nuts off that crazy wheel? And I, I, let me tell you, I quoted that verse and those lug nuts still didn't come off that wheel. You ever had one of those days? And I kept saying, God is working for good to them. Okay, God, I love you, and I know you're working. You need to do something more here. And you know what? God did. Some guy in a farm truck came up behind me. He says, hey, I've got a big wrench. I can pull them off for you. Boom, just like that. We're on our way. Thank you, God, for working in all things. Amen. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. God's in control of this thing. Number three, realize that God has promised to never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise that comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. Let's get that into our heads a little bit. God is with us. God is with us. Number four, starting right now, starting right now, today at 11.07, start right now at 11.07 to cultivate an eternal perspective on the things of our life. One that's not caged in by fear, but by the eternal. Realize also that many of our problems, they are not eternal, but they are temporary. They are right here, right now. These four things. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, says this, and there's true power. Folks, there is true power in the word of God. One of the most powerful verses of the Bible is right there on the screen in front of you. 
would you say it with me this morning? Would you, would you just follow with me and say it with me? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's real, folks. That's for right now, this minute. And God wants to see this engaged in our life today, right now, starting now, and allow that to spread into every area of our life. Donnelly, would you return to the organ, please? I think the only way fear should rule and reign in your life today and the only thing is if you have not experienced the love of God in your life and you've overlooked his love and you've underestimated his love for you. In my estimation, that's the only, only way fear could be entering into your life. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, then you should be afraid. You really should. I could direct you to a, a score of passages. But those who walk without Christ are going to be walking in fear. They're going to be walking with questions that they cannot answer. The world isn't going to answer it at all. You can look, but you won't find your answers. Living without him, living without him, is going to increase the level of the fear that accumulates in your life. It would just simply accumulate. Jesus said we need to fear. We need to fear that which can destroy our soul. This old body's gonna wear out, I understand that. But my soul lives forever. Every person in this room, every person here has a soul one that lives forever. Jesus said, look, fear that which can destroy your soul. And the only thing that can destroy your soul is the failure to make that decision, I'm going to live for Christ and I'm going to start it right now. Right now, today. Remember this, perfect love casts out fear and perfect love only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't go out and say, I'm going to love people more. I'm going to love this more. I'm going to love that more. That, that's, that's a nice thing, but that's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about that personal relationship with Christ when he comes and he literally lives in our hearts in our lives, we've believed on him totally, 100%. We have confidence and trust only in him. Then I think you're going to see the perfect love begin to flow into your life, and you're going to see the fear of your life begin to dissipate. Would you stand with me, please? I want us to pray together. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your word today. And again, we recognize 
The word of God has mighty power. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that by that mighty power and by the working, the ever constant working of your Holy Spirit, you have taken this message and that you have penetrated our thinking, but perhaps more important than that, our hearts. Father, help us. Help us to surrender over to you and respond to the perfect love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray this morning for people that might be here this morning and they need Christ. They need the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Christ working in their lives beginning right now today. Allow that work to begin this morning. For those that are in this room right now, and you recognize something this morning, the Holy Spirit has been speaking into your hearts. He's been talking to you. It's God. He's telling you, let's get right this morning. Let's ask for forgiveness. Let's ask for the Savior to take charge of my life. For those people, would you pray with me? Pray along with me. Jesus, come into my heart, my life. I not only need to get fear out of my life, I need to get sin out of my life. My sin manifests itself in a lot of different ways. But I want to quit. I want to turn that around. I want that to stop. I want to repent of my sin. Not just feel sorry for it, but to repent. That means going in a different new direction. I want to ask Jesus Christ, Jesus, come into my heart and my life today, right now. I believe you're the Lord and Savior for my life. I accept you as the Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're the only way to salvation, the only way to heaven, the only way to forgiveness. I believe on you and you alone as my Savior, my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Would you remember next Sunday, Father's Day, six dads are going to be standing up, or at least six, and they're going to share three questions that about what they've done as a dad that's been a blessing in their family. They're going to be sharing if they could have a way to do something again, what would that be? What would that look like? And then they're going to share six very valuable, timely pieces of advice for all of us. You're going to hear six voices. That's what, you're going to, that's what we're going to do next Sunday. It's going to be a good Father's Day. We're going to celebrate our dads and our men. Amen? Amen? Hot weather out there. The AC's working in here pretty good. Not so much for me, but it is for you. I'm sure it is. Because <laughs> I'm getting hot. <laughs>
Let's lift our hands for the blessing of God. Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. May the Lord make his face to shine upon their lives, shine into their homes, their hearts, their businesses, the things that they'll be doing this week. Father, I pray that there will be a constant reflection of the love of God that works in every person's life. Father, I pray that your countenance will be lifted up in our lives in special ways. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.